Father, I thank you for the opportunity of the church to come together and celebrate. Father, thank you that you've included us in the work of your kingdom. I thank you for each person here this morning that knows you, pursues you. And I ask, Father God, that you'd fill us with your word, that you'd transform our hearts and our minds. Thank you, Father God, that you make yourself obvious to us. You reveal yourself to us. You show us who you are. Thank you, Father God. And Father, I ask that you'd be with the children downstairs, that they also would hear the word of God and that that would transform their lives. Thank you that we have opportunity to present the gospel to the next generation. Be with the adults and the children. Bless that time. And may all of this morning service continue to glorify you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done. In Christ's name, amen. Children, you're excused. returning this morning to our series that's focusing on the attributes of God. And those attributes that we're looking at represent the names of God that are used in Scripture. This, this idea of understanding the names of God helps us to trust Him with our daily affairs, and it increases our desire for that eternal destiny that we have with God. Names really do matter. And the names in Scripture often signify a person's character, their ability, or the mission that God has for them in their life. <coughs> Excuse me. Here's a couple of examples. Adam named his wife Eve because she is the mother of all the living. Abram's name was changed by God to Abraham, and, and he did this to show that Abraham was the father of many nations. God changed Sarai's name to Sarah. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. These, these all had meaning and, and purpose. God also didn't leave the name of the Savior to just chance. That name wasn't really, you know, it wasn't Joseph's responsibility. God had a purpose. And it's a familiar verse um, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, that shows us this idea of the name. It says, she, it says she's, she will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So God specifically says the Savior's name will be Jesus. Now, Jesus is from Jesus, the Greek form of the Old Testament Yeshua, which has the basic meaning Yahweh is, is salvation. Yahweh is salvation. Yeshua, Jesus. So that name has a meaning, and it's very important for us to grasp that. Now, 
I was thinking about this, and when I named my five kids, which was an adventure, I did not have the power to make them fit the name that I gave them. Now, in many ways, they, they do kind of. And, and at least with one of them, it was like, uh, Mr. Williamson, that's what your child's going to be named. Yes, sir. Okay, so, so I, I, I gave Peter that name um, because that, there wasn't any question that that was supposed to be his name. But we don't really have that power. We don't have the ability to say, well, you're going to be so-and-so because this is what you're going to do in your life. We don't know that. God, on the other hand, has the right and the power to cause anyone he names to become what that name means. We see that several different places, especially in the Old Testament. When God gives a name, the name is an indicator of God's purpose and the destiny of that person. We see that in Scripture. We should also realize that when God names himself in Scripture, the name is filled with meaning. There's so much there. It's part of his grand, perfect plan of revealing himself. It's how he shows us really who he is, and it's a part of how he reveals how he's going to save us. His name then, the names that we're going to look at, deepen our love, intensify our admiration, and strengthen our faith in him. The more we know about him, what he's revealed to us, that deepens our faith. Now today, the, the name, we're actually going to look at two names. And these two names... They must be taken together. You really can't separate them because they really work together. And those two names are Adonai and Yahweh. Adonai, we'll start there, is, is one of the most common names of God in the Old Testament. But Adonai is not really a proper name. That's not the way the word is, is formed. Adonai is actually a description of God or a title of respect. Adonai comes from the plural form of Adon. And I go here, and there's many other scholars who do as well, Adonai, it's a plural, and that plural takes us the same place that we spoke of last week to the Trinity. It's, it's meaningful. When you, when you put that into that kind of context, it, context, it, really, it really means something deeply. When the singular form of Adon is used in Scripture, it is usually referring to the human position of power. So in the, in the English, Lord, Lords, is defined as someone having power authority, or influence, a master, a ruler. So, so we, could, we could say, you know, our mayor. We could say, she's Lord. Lord S, Lord Henry. Right? We could do that with the president. They have a power, an authority. But that's humanly speaking. So that's how the scriptures use 
Adon. There's a place we see this. I, I, I'm fascinated with it. It's in 1 Samuel 24, 8. It's with David. Afterward, David arose and went out of the cave and called to Saul. And David and Saul are in this conflict. And David says, my Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the earth and paid homage. He says, Lord, the king. It's all lowercase there. And the Hebrew is Adon. David is saying, you are a human master. You have a certain kind of human authority. David refers to Saul as my Lord the King. He uses the term Adon. Our English translations of Scripture then, we need to pay close attention. There's three ways that you will find Lord written in Scripture. Three ways. Lord, all uppercase. You will find it Lord with uppercase L and lowercase O-R-D. Or you will find it all lowercase. These three forms of the word Lord identify, translate, different Hebrew words. So it's important for us to pay attention when we're reading Scripture how they are written. One place that, that's fascinating to see this is in Genesis 18. So we're going to begin in, in verse 1. Notice how Lord is is written in, in this passage. The Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre, and he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, I have found favor in your sight. Do not pass by your servant." And if you remember this story, so, so Lord, capital L-O-R-D, okay, so that goes back to the Hebrew, that's God, has shown up and he's talking with Abraham. The whole issue here is, is God is speaking to Abraham about Isaac, right? He's going to have a son. Well, later in this same passage, we're going to see Lord used differently. Genesis 18, 12. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, I am worn out, and my Lord is old. Shall I have pleasure? So here in this, in this passage, it's a fascinating passage of, of God interacting with Abraham. You see in verse 1, Lord, all uppercase. Verse 3, Lord, uppercase L, O-R-D is lower. Verse 12, Lord, all lowercase. It's all meaningful. Now let's, let's go back and, and look at these just a little bit. When Lord is written in all lowercase, it means human Lord or master, one who has authority over another. And in Genesis 18, 12, Sarah is saying, my Lord is old. She's referring to Abraham. She's describing her husband. At that time in history, it was socially acceptable and kind of expected for a woman to call her husband Lord. Now, if that happens in your home, that's nice. 
And if you guys are going, yeah, that's where we're going, don't. <laughs> just, just saying, okay? If your wife wants to call you Lord, that's, you, that's fine, okay? But this is, this is the, the culture. It was expected of her to refer to Abraham that way. In this passage, when Lord is referring to God, the L in upper uh, case is, is speaking of God, kind of in, in general, but God, the one only God, okay? There, there's another example I want us to look at, and that's in Exodus 23, 17. Three times in the year shall your males appear before the Lord God. Now, this is, this is important, and you're going to see this as we go on. Lord God, lowercase O-R-D, but capital L. And God is all capitalized. When Lord is written using all uppercase letters, stick with me, so you've got all uppercase that is, that, that's translating the Hebrew Yahweh. Really important. If you go back to Genesis 15, he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? O Lord God. So you see that Lord God there is a little different than in Exodus 23, 17, because Lord is all caps and God is all caps. It's all uppercase. That phrase, Lord God there, is from the Hebrew, and the Hebrew literally is Adonai Yahweh. But he said, Adonai Yahweh, how am I to know that I shall possess it? God is in all uppercase there because it is translating Yahweh. They couldn't translate the phrase, Lord, Lord. So you start working into some English problems here. So they chose to use the word God in all uppercase to represent Yahweh. Now let's go back to Adonai. Adonai is, is an apt title for God. It's, it's fine to call God Adonai. There are other lords who rule over the limited realms of earth. We see that in Scripture. But Scripture also teaches us that God is Lord of all. For example, Joshua 3.11. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing before you into the Jordan. So there, Lord is uppercase L, lowercase O-R-D. Now, so far this morning, I've used the term Yahweh, a few times. When we talk about names of God, Yahweh is the personal and most common name of God. Yahweh occurs over 6,800 times in the Hebrew. And most of the time, not always, because we just saw that, most of the time, Lord, in all uppercase, means Yahweh. Yahweh is very important for us to understand. It, it is referred to in the theological realm as the tetragrammaton. 
And you all remember that, right? Tetragrammaton. None of you really care, right? It's a big phrase that simply means four letters. Well, it actually refers to specifically four Hebrew letters that are found that make up Yahweh. And those four words are Yod, or four letters. Yod, He, Vav, and He. All right, so those are the letters in the Hebrew for Yahweh. There's no way for us to know for certain how Yahweh was or is to be pronounced. There's no way we know. And there's some reasons. One of the main reasons is that ancient Hebrew had no vowels. They didn't use vowels. So you'd see Yod, He, Vav, and He. Okay, what do we do with that? I don't know. This problem gets even worse because the Hebrew people were scared to death of mispronouncing God's name. So only the high priest would pronounce God's name. And he would only pronounce God's name once a year on Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur. Well, what's that? Yom Kippur, me, Yom Kippur means day of atonement. Yom Kippur is the most important of all Jewish celebrations. Think about what it means. Day of Atonement. This would be the day that the high priest would enter the Holy of Holies and make sin offerings for the people. So this is huge. And this is the only time that a Jew would speak God's name. Well, the Jews sinned and there was captivity and there was all the things that we see uh, and, and, and read about the history of the Jewish people. And over time then, the practice of the high priests were interrupted and they were changed. And with that, the pronunciation of Yahweh was lost. Nobody really knows. Nobody really knows. I mean, we can come close maybe, but nobody knows. Now, that being said... Because there is no W sound in the Hebrew, Zach and I talked about this. We had a fascinating talk on Tuesday. It was, it was kind of the high point of the week. He and I had a blast talking through all of this stuff. And we believe, and along with a lot of other scholars, that the name that we have right now most accurately should be Yahweh. That V sound, that va, va sound. Yahweh. There's no W sound in Hebrew. So that's why we go there. We also have to remember, even if we pronounce it that way, that the Jews came to regard this word with such reverence that they would never speak it. They wouldn't even try. What they were afraid of was, if I said it wrong, I would be inadvertently taking God's name in vain. And that meant so much to them. It was so important that they wouldn't say the name of God. So whenever they came to God's name in their reading or in their conversation, they would use a different word. They would pronounce the word Adonai. 
So Adonai, even though it's not technically a name, became a name for God representing Yahweh. The English versions of the Bible have followed this same pattern, and our translations have the proper name Yahweh printed with all uppercase L-O-R-D. So when you go to your scriptures, when you read, I want you to be able to think those passages through. How is Lord appearing? Because it will help you understand the context. It will help you understand what's there. Is, is Lord all uppercase? That should influence what you see in the rest of the passage. Now, I want us to understand the name of God better, Yahweh. So to do that, we look at the encounter that Moses had with God on Mount Sinai. This is one of my favorite places because there's this really interesting personal interaction between God and Moses. It is so fascinating to have that happen. It'd also be scary. Let's, let's begin. Exodus 3, chap, chapter 3, verse 1. <clears throat> now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord, you see how it's spelled? appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside, so when Yahshua, when who? Yahweh. When Yahweh saw that he turned aside, he called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. We're familiar with this passage, and really what God is doing with Moses is he's introducing himself in a rather intimate way. He's telling Moses his name. We see this even clearer later in this same story, Exodus 3.13. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. So in one way, what is God's name? I am. Huge. That phrase, I am who I am, is is from the imperfect first-person form of the verb hava. And all of you got that, right? Imperfect first-person, you all understand? Great. Okay. What that means is he's saying, I will be. That's hava. And in that form, he's telling us that there is a connection between the name Yahweh 
and existence itself. Yahweh is the source of all existence. He is, he exists. His existence is inherent in himself. Everything that we understand that exists is contingent upon Yahweh, upon God. He simply exists. I am that I am. I am. I exist. Now, because the pronunciation of Yahweh was lost, again, remember, the, the Jews wouldn't even try to pronounce God's name. So they substitute Adonai in his place. This becomes very interesting as we move forward in history to the New Testament. The Apostle Paul gives this incredible statement about Jesus. And that's the, the statement that we're going to look at relates to God's name. This is a very important passage for understanding this concept of God's name. And it's in Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 9. Therefore God, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that, the, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Okay. Why is this so important? It's speaking of the Savior. It's speaking of Jesus. And Paul is, Paul is quoting what Yahweh spoke through the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 45, 22. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God. There is no other. By myself I have sworn. From my mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that shall not return. To me every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall swear allegiance. Only in the Lord it shall be said of me, our righteousness and strength to him shall come and be ashamed all who were incensed against him. In the Lord, in Yahweh, all the offspring of Israel shall be justified and shall glory. What is that saying? It's saying that if you're going to be saved, you're going to be saved because of Yahweh. Paul was highly trained. He's trained as a Pharisee. He knew this passage from Isaiah. He may have had this passage memorized from an early time in his life. He knew well what it meant, and he also then knew how it applied to the Messiah, to Jesus. So when Paul uses it in Philippians, he's making it clear that Jesus is Yahweh. Think carefully about what that means. Jesus Jesus is Yahweh. Wow. Now, from Paul's perspective, think about this. As a Pharisee, Paul once sought to persecute 
and execute people who claimed that Jesus was Yahweh. That was why he was after them. They were committing blasphemy. They were saying that this Jesus was God, Yahweh. Now, when we see this passage in Philippians, he's proclaiming the same truth. He's proclaiming that Jesus is Yahweh. Jesus is God. And eventually, in Paul's life, he would die because he proclaimed Jesus is Yahweh. Tremendous. That's fascinating. The place that Paul intends for us to go is it was Yahweh who hung on the cross to save you and I from our sins. This is why he writes this. Verse 10, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There will be a time in the future when every knee will bow to Yeshua, to Jesus, to Yahweh. Even those who have rejected him and want nothing to do with him, they will bow to Yehovah. Because he's God. Now, the New Testament helps us with this name as well because Jesus amplifies the I am. And he amplifies the I am with eight fabulous, great statements of I am. These are I am revelations for us. John 6, 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life who comes... Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. John 8, 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 8, 58. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. John 8. 10, 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. John eleven twenty five. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. John 15, 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. John 14, 6. And I put this one out of order on purpose because it speaks to us about what Jesus has done to rescue us from hell. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am saved us. Yahweh saves us. 
It's always in the history of God's people taking courage to believe Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Yahweh of all. It's taken courage to believe that Jesus is Yahweh. We also see in the history of God's people that understanding Yahweh leads to boldly confessing Jesus as Lord, Jesus as Yahweh, in a world that hates him. We are surrounded by a culture, by a world that hates Jesus. They hate Yahweh. It makes it difficult. So confessing Jesus publicly, confessing him as Lord is hard because, and I believe the real reason, the major reason, that it's hard for us to confess Jesus as Lord is because of how the world responds. Yahweh, Lord, he is master, Lord, over everything. They don't want to hear that. So they respond negatively. But that fear should not be there because believers are with Jesus. And Jesus has overcome the Lord and uh, overcome the world. And he is all uppercase Lord over everything. Even their bad response. Even when somebody responds negatively to the name of Jesus, he's still Lord over their response. That's hard. As believers then, let's pray for boldness, driven by awe and wonder in what Jesus has done. What Jesus, the Lord of hosts, the only God, the true bread from heaven, the light of the world, the way and the truth, the resurrection and the life, the Savior of the world, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. What has he done? That was quite a list. That's who he is. That's what he's done. That should fuel us with all kinds of boldness to proclaim the Lordship of Jesus. There will be a day, there will be a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Yahweh. And that will be done to the glory of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus, Yahweh, our Savior. Father, thank you that you sent your son. And I thank you how you have revealed your truth to us. Thank you that we can rest in you. Holy Spirit, remind us we belong to the creator of the universe. And he loves us. And he died for us. And he rose from the dead so that we would be able to interact with him and be with him and see his glory for all of eternity. And I ask, Father God, for anyone here who has not put their trust in Jesus, that they would cry out to you. Anyone who's watching this, that they would, would call out to Jesus 
Jesus, save me. And I thank you, Father God, that you will hear their cry and that they will be saved by Yeshua, saved by Yahweh. Thank you, Father, in Christ's name. Amen.